بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet peace be upon him and so we are wrapping up the uh, semester the month uh, uh, of our exploration of this beginning of Al-Fatiha and Surah 2 and we have two people in the class no cameras on but I'll make two. So maybe I'll just spend the whole time just cracking jokes to myself. Everyone's coming to me a sec. Inshallah. So hopefully, you all can see the screen on your screen. Yes, we can. Oh, mashallah. Thank you for your attention to detail. Okay, so we were uh, going through I-25, the third command of the Quran. This whole subsection, just to repeat the formula, is the introduction of Al-Baqarah, hopefully it'll start appearing on the screen any second now. We're at the end of the semester, so everybody, every student is finally using the internet, probably for streaming illegal movies, but um, hopefully it'll show up. But, so it's Surah 2, Ayahs 1 through 39. And then within that, part A, it's just Alif Lam Mim. Why is nothing appearing on the screen? The internet is that slow? Oh, here it goes. All right, we got one letter. It's it's uh, hopefully showing up. Part B is two 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 twenty. Models of belief and rejection. Hopefully it'll appear on the screen in a second now. Oh, there it goes. Mashallah, mashallah. And then this section is 21 to 29 foundational concepts. Hopefully the last of this. What if I wave my arm in all kinds of strange ways? Let's see if that helps the internet in my room. Mm. No. And last 30 to 39 is origins. Okay, so we'll wait, we'll wait for a moment for all these things to appear on the screen. The outline of the semester, what if I float around my vice there? Oh, there it goes, that worked, okay. So models of belief and rejection. So four parts of this introduction, this introductory section of Al-Baqarah. First, we have Alif Lamin, this connected letter, letters, huruf al 
الحروف المقطعات and then we have the models of belief and rejection there you remember we had taqwa kufr and nifaq and then we had metaphors about them and then we're in the middle of this section on foundational concepts which includes foundational commands as well as other foundational concepts so looking at this by 21 not only is it the first command but the focus is on allah I-22 is not only the second command, but the focus is on, again, on Allah. I-23 is not only the prescription for doubt, but it is also about the Prophet, peace be upon him. I-24 is not only the conclusion of the prescription for doubt, but it is also speaking of hell. I-25 is not only the, uh, the third command, but it is also speaking about heaven. So we spoke about Allah. We spoke about the Prophet, peace be upon him, which includes the Quran. Then we spoke about hell. Then we spoke about heaven. At the same time, first command, second command, uh, prescription for doubt, the completion for the people with doubt, and then the fifth, the third command. And then we now get into responses to criticisms what are the criticisms that the prophet peace be upon him was getting in medina was you know what kind of book is this allah is so high so majestic but your book is talking about all these insignificant things like bugs right there's a surah, a surah called the bee the ant the spider you know what is this? Where Allah is so lofty, why is your book speaking about these insignificant things? And the response to this was Ayah 26 and then Ayah 27. So in Ayah 26, in Allah la yastahi, Allah is not shy. To give the example, this is that same word, daraba, from the second hour class. Smack. Now, to hit you with the example of something like a bug or a mosquito or anything above that. Okay. And first, it is not beneath Allah to speak about these things. Why is it not beneath Allah to speak about a bug? A tiny pesky little bug why is it not beneath Allah because God created it yeah Allah created it so automatically by virtue of the fact that Allah has created it it has value so think about the hierarchy of created beings hierarchy of created beings and this is just a hypothetical it's not um a full comprehensive scientific list uh and hopefully once again it'll appear on my screen what if i just wave ipad over here somewhere what if i add some dua oh it worked okay mashallah add some dua oh, let me add another dua Allah answers when he wills. Okay, so 
what would be in creation? What would you list at the bottom of value? Who do you think of all created beings? What would be at the bottom? Or if it's easier, what would be at the top of all creation? Let's start with the top. That might be easier. Seen or unseen? Let's limit it to seen. Humans. Okay. Specifically with within humans, we're going to say... Yes, exactly. So, the prophet, peace be upon him, and then other messengers, and then other prophets. Here's a question. Why is it that in Arabic we call him Rasulullah, messenger of Allah, but in English we call him the prophet. Why do you call him the prophet in English? Any thoughts? Why do you call the prophet the prophet in English when in Arabi it's Ya Rasulullah? The reason is because that was grandfathered into us by the man, you know, by the white man, the European man, the British. It's always the British. Now, basically, <clears throat> that just became convention, uh, calling the prophet the prophet. Maybe a little bit has to do with the fact that it's easier to say than the messenger, but that's why we call him the prophet in English. Or as we call him Rasulullah. Like I always find it strange to my ear when Arabs call him the Nabi or Nabi Muhammad. You know. I actually appreciate the fact that you brought this up because uh, it always feels weird to me when I say prophet, but that's how I hear it most of the time. And I'm like, why don't they say messenger? Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah, it similarly. It is because we have been colonized. Our deen has been colonized. Now, in any case, so, <clears throat> so then we have the uh, the humans, regular humans, which we might put at the top the awliya, the friends of Allah, the people who have reached the state of Ihsan. And then the people, the mu'mins, and then the Muslims. But so let's just say, you know, humans in general. What would we put in a hierarchy of creation after humans? After humanity? Cats. Okay. Any other suggestions? Anything higher than cats? That was the joke answer. Well, still. I mean, as you can tell, I've never told a joke in the whole course of this class. 
Well, uh, we're limiting it to Jewel to the things of the scene world. All right, we'll go with animals in general. Then maybe plants. Would there be anything underneath plants in the hierarchy of creation? Yeah, probably like rocks. Inanimate, non-living. So once again, it probably would be a lot more appealing if you could actually see my screen. The funny thing is people outside my office are probably wondering, what am I doing here? Flashing and swinging around my iPad. So it's nearer to the Wi-Fi. There's people outside my window who will probably wonder what I'm doing. Hold on. There it is, just as I sit down. <laughs> but what is the point that we're making here? That everything by virtue of being a creation of a law automatically has value. So Sadia, I would, uh, in fact, where would you all put water here? Is water worth more in value than a plant? Is water worth more in value than an animal? Is water worth more in value than a human? It depends. Thank you for, for narrowing it down as much as you did. Thank you for that profoundly precise. Yeah. It depends on whether you think that something's being part of almost everything else intrinsically gives it more value or makes it its value less since it's a part of another. Okay. So what if we add to this the aya that Allah's throne is on water? Oh, snap. So what if we do water like this? You won't be able to see it until, you know, the internet finally decides to show it to you. Oh, there it is. It's showing. It's appearing. It's appearing. W. Water. Essentially, I have water going up the side. And so, oh, Jewel, that was pretty deep. Water is a component of the humans. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right, so we're not getting too far with this uh, screen. What if I just restart, refresh? I'm taking a big risk here. So in any case, again, what is the point we're making here that everything by being a creation of a law automatically has value. And then there's a hierarchy of values, which might seem like common sense, but for example, in some Buddhist traditions, all life has equal value. And I had a student, like this is an elders class, everybody was like 50, 60 years old, who insisted that everyone was of equal value. And then I asked them, all right, if your car is out of control, and you have the choice between hitting a human and hitting a cow, 
which one are you going to hit? And, but they refuse to answer the question, but I know I got them. In any case, let's see if this is working now. No, still hasn't showed up. Okay, in any case, the point we are looking at is that, number one, by virtue of the fact that Allah is the creator of all. Wait a second, Basit, who is this little person? This is uh, my wife's sister's kid. Mashallah. Very nice. Cutie pie. Okay. It's going to say many funny jokes just now, but... No, it's anyways. been that long that you haven't come by, basically. Yeah, exactly. My son. It's my yeah. son. Okay, mashallah. Okay. Pay attention to class. So, so it is not beneath Allah to speak about his own creation. What, what sense would you get, or what can we infer by, of all the word choices, Allah says that he is not too shy or too timid to speak about these seemingly insignificant creations. Any thoughts? The light has left this office when I asked this question. That can't be it. That can't be it. It's false, though. Mm. I don't know if uh, Samina was just contributing to our class or saying strange things. Any thoughts? I mean, there are quite a number of thoughts. Uh, but considering that God is the creator of all things, it doesn't matter how insignificant something is. Mm -hmm. It's his, like it's his, like it doesn't lower his status in any way to speak of it because he is the one who created it. So no matter what, lowest or highest okay we speak of so if he said it that way wait what if he if he if he he said it that way that allah is a creator of all he can speak freely about whatever he wills that would make sense think of this word choice la yastahi uh, Jewel saying that is an emotion that would govern a human a human's actions of judgment. Uh, if you can explain that more, Jewel, appreciate that. I'm not quite understanding. Sabrine. Um, when I hear la yastahi, as in, it's like someone who's uh, in in Arabi, it could be taken as someone who's not shy or 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 courageous. Okay. They don't shy away. They're so. So it's very, a, yeah, keep going. It's it comes off as strong, as like uh, aggressive. Mm-hmm. When I think about layastahi, interesting. Part of this, let's see, it means that shame, uh, that shame that could control a human. Okay, that's interesting, Jewel. So Allah is not bound by the things that humans are bound by. That's a very interesting point. A way to think about this: when we speak of Allah Taala. We often separate the attributes of Jamal from the attributes of Jalal. The attributes of Jalal, the attributes of majesty, and the attributes of Jamal, beauty. And part of the attributes of majesty are those attributes where Allah Ta'ala 
is speaking of his giving, his generosity, his power. And then part of the demeanor of a king, of one in majesty, is that they have their own type of modesty. So when we often speak of clothing, we speak of it in the context of modesty. And what we often reduce it to is just how much of your body is covered, right? But when we think of hijab, not limited to women, but men and women's hijab, <clears throat> part of it is a behavior. That modesty is a behavior. And it is associated with being, not the, uh, the covering part, but the idea of the more civil you are, the more civilized you are, the more you are conducting yourself with a certain type of dignity. So when the Bedouins are spoken about in the Hadith, for example, a little bit in the Quran, how are they often described? That's like, you know, you know, the Arab in the Quran or the Bedouins in the, in the Hadith, how are they often described? Yeah, very rough, lack of shame, very abrasive in their style. In contrast to how is the prophet described, very refined and very modest, right? And so when we're speaking here of Allah not being too shy, we're also saying that this type of modesty is a limitation of a king, somebody majestic, but Allah is not bound by this. Boom. That it is not beneath the lack, for lack of a better terms, the dignity, the majesty, the respect of Allah to be speaking about these things. So not only is it not beneath Allah to speak about these things because he's the creator, it is not beneath his status to speak about these things. And so the wider point I'm making is that each of us as humans were conditioned or we're all we're taught to behave according to what we are worth. Your behavior, your vocabulary reveals what your own sense of self-worth is. So you may not be able to afford super expensive clothing. You know, what are those shoes? Louboutins? Where it's like, you know, like there's a, a, a person in our division, like bosses, 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 boss, who, who wears Louboutin shoes. Like, nice, living it up. Yeah. Yeah, like the, uh, the, the people who are recognized what I'm saying are the women in the class. But the point here is, but that's, he's also making a statement about his own personal value, his own personal worth. Uh, or chances are his wife buys him the shoes, you know. The point here, again, is in the same way, no, in a parallel way, where Allah has a certain type of dignity that we are supposed to associate with Allah. And I'm trying to come up with a better word because you're speaking about Allah. You and I also are supposed to conduct ourselves with a certain type of dignity, which is the opposite of how a lot of American culture operates, right? Much of American culture is like contrasting Indiana Jones with James Bond. James Bond's always in a tuxedo. Indiana Jones is dressed in his leather jacket, shirt wide open, you know, probably smells like whiskey. And the American attitude is, this is what I am, take it or leave it. 
right? And I'm going to be abrasive, take it or leave it. Whereas the British facade is that we will be very, very refined, even though we're very savage people in terms of how we treat others. And so the point I'm making is take a consideration even of yourself. The language that you use to speak with is reflecting what your own sense of self-worth is. Alrighty. So moving from there. So it is not beneath him to speak about bugs or anything above that. So those who believe, they know this is the the haq, the truth from their rabb. Here we have the most bare minimum relationship that I have to have with the Quran. I may not understand any of it. I may struggle with all of it, but I regard it all as truth from Allah. That's my bare minimum relationship with the Quran. That whatever Alif Lam means, it's a truth from Allah. The passages about war might be difficult for me. It's a truth from Allah. The passages that are gender related might be difficult, but they're the truth from Allah. That is the bare minimum relationship to have uh, for a believer with the Quran. You take it all as truth even before you may understand what any of it means, even before you may implement any of it. Make sense? Just not pretend like you're listening. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Well, kafaru. As for those who have rejected, then they say, فَيَقُولُونَ مَاذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا مَثَلَ So what is Allah trying to say with these examples? So, uh, here is speaking about Gaffers asking, you know, what do all these metaphors mean? Don't we do the same thing? I mean, that's what we did literally with this bug point. That's what we did with the metaphor of fire, rainstorm, lightning. What is different about us versus the Gaffers asking this question? Uh, ridicule. Explain. Um you can you can ask the same thing but your mannerism can be different uh also reflected in intonation you right. ask what's the point of something while being seriously seriously contemplative and seeking knowledge mm -hmm. uh trying to learn or you could ask what could he possibly why okay. would you even Use this of all things as an example. It's like okay. that's the sort of and thing. Is, and where does that come across in this specific sentence? What right. did Um very, very easy. It's right there, right in front of everything. They're coffers. Yeah. Yeah. It's about to say <laughs> that it's the coffer who is asking this. So the coffer doesn't care. Right. And, and so uh, the coffer is asking, well, what does God mean by this? If their question was seeking belief, then they would not be coffers anymore. So. Uh, Sabrina, you had to raise your hand. 
Um, yeah, I was going to say, well, as my answer, that's why I lowered it. because Someone already said arrogance. It sounded like, what is the point of this instead of what he means by this? Yeah, it could be in terms of the subtleties of language at that time. But the simpler point is just that, yeah, it's a kafir who's asking this question. So imagine Abu Jahl is asking the Prophet, what does God mean by this? Uh, Abu Jahl has no interest. Or Abu Lahab asking, what does Allah mean by this? You know, uh, they have no interest in the answer. They are fundamentally doing it to irritate the Prophet, peace be upon him. Oh, okay. Yep. Now we have a very fascinating line after this. So Allah lets many astray by it. It could be the Quran. It could be this question. It could be this metaphor. And he guides many. So if we apply to this, apply this to the Quran, does that seem like a problem? Allah guides many, but he lets many go astray. That was a question. Oh, not y'all. Oh, wait, are you asking me to repeat the question? Yeah, just if you could repeat the question. Okay, so basically, I'm saying that the Quran, Allah is saying in the Quran that he lets many go astray with the Quran. And he guides many with the Quran, or lets many go astray by the Quran, and guides many by the Quran. That doesn't that sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Are you asking what it means or are you yeah. asking or if it's fair or what what's the question? Yeah, what does it mean? Is it fair? All those things. Oh. <laughs> I guess you I don't really like it. Yeah, whoever Sorry, else go ahead. Is. Go ahead. Nadia, you can go. You were first. I was Somebody just saying just that. I, I it doesn't sit well with me. I just I don't like it, but that's because uh -huh. I don't understand it yet. Aha, uh -huh. Sabrine, what do you think? Um. Oh my god, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Damn it! This is what happens. Yes. <laughs> Someone else go. It'll come Man. back. May I say something? If what? Um, um, the the message doesn't change. The truth doesn't change, but it's it's you know it can go either way, right? And Allah is allowing it. So I think the agency is on the person. If you open your heart to actually knowing, then He will guide you. And if you have your heart closed, and you know you're being arrogant, then it will misguide you. Okay. Yeah. Sabrina, raise your hand. Did you remember your point or question or comments? Yeah, it's somewhat similar to that. I was going to say that um, it, to guides or strays because it's also, it's not very direct. It's left to interpretation based on your heart, based on what you're coming seeking. Mm -hmm. So if you're seeking something to, you know, to justify the Quran or even to negate it, you're going to find what you're looking for based on how you interpret the words because it's not very direct. Mm -hmm. okay. Words. Um, you don't feel it's direct? I think there's ambiguity in there. A lot. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, uh, Mustafa. 
So I think there are many vantage points or many ways to look at this. Um, I think the simplest one would be if we do acknowledge that God is a is the creator, like that God exists and God is the creator and that like the Quran is true, then we acknowledge our relationship, in which case it's not really our place to decide what is fair or not. Ultimately, that's God's okay. purview, not ours. Okay. If, however, as an exercise to just think or when talking to others who aren't Muslim, it's like, what could be the logic over here? Um, I think like this verse cannot be taken in isolation from others mm-hmm. uh, because we did already talk about a lot of things, including agency. Uh, we also talked about uh, within uh, the verses that talk about uh, hypocrites, about how God can fill their hearts. And so it's similar in nature in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's like how you choose to reflect and approach things can either make you grow closer to uh, um, a thing, in this case, the Quran, uh, or it can make you grow further astray. Uh, but ultimately, it depends on you and your choice. Sure. Uh, and in this particular case, I don't, I honestly, like for me, it's unclear reading the Arabic whether this, and it's always been unclear to me, whether this refers to God's uh, presenting an example striking an example or whether it is with regards to the quran Mm -hmm. Um, but regardless of which anyone can like see the wisdom in it and learn from it Mm -hmm. and anyone can take it as an excuse or further their um, animosity to words uh, god and the quran through Mm -hmm. yeah Jewel says, it says to me that if one approaches the Quran, who will never believe but seek uh, to cause confusion, that Allah will confuse that person even more. Yeah, very much so. Now that you were raising your hand or just blocking out the sun. Oh, no, I was raising my hand. When I just, obviously, I'm reading the English and not the Arabic, so I wouldn't understand as much. To me, it sounds like it's saying that the Quran is there and some people get a little extra help from. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like he lets he guides some people and then he leaves some people on their own Mm -hmm. there's a group of people and they're reading the Quran and they all have their own free will some people are gonna I don't know I think it's just because it's a translation and I'm like reading the words very closely I think that also works is that what it's saying like you get some extra but then I don't know if that would be fair or no, I think, uh, or maybe it's an intention thing. I'm a little confused. Uh, I'd say yes and yes, you know, to, to each of these points. The basic point being that if I'm approaching the Quran with the intention of going astray, the Quran will happily help me do so. If I'm approaching the Quran with the intention of learning what Allah wants, getting closer to Allah, then Allah will open the door wide open for me. So yeah, if I thought you about to say something else. Oh no, no, okay. I wasn't. Okay. 
but this is a. Uh, I think this is. Um, and I just lost my screen. But this is one of those uh, profound, scary points. All right, what do you all see in your screen right now? Anything? Okay, can you all see me? Hear me? Yeah. All right. So it looks like I lost the screen. And all right, more technical difficulties. So we won't, we'll just use um, the text. So a lot lets many go astray by this, and he guides many by this. The end of the ayah, which is a perfect segue, is that he does not let anyone go astray except for the fasik. So we have a fourth model of belief and rejection now. First one, the person of taqwa. The second one, the person of kufr, rejection. The third one, the hypocrite, the person of nifaq. And now a fourth one, the fasik. The fasik is essentially someone who is a complete shameless rebel. So think of anybody you know who, no, don't do it that way. Think of the hypothetical case of someone who flaunts their sins. Yeah. Okay, let's just think of Donald Trump, right? So, so the point here being somebody who just flaunts their egregious behaviors. That is a fasik. So Allah does not misguide anyone except for a fasik. So the default relationship that Allah has with everyone is guidance. What would be an example or a proof of that? The fact that Allah's default relationship with everyone is guidance. What else do we believe about humanity in our design and creation? That we are all born on fitra, right? That right. because yeah, uh, Jewel says we are ready to be guided. Yes, uh, Mustafa, what are you saying? I I was thinking more along the lines of um, how God's mercy mercy encompasses all. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that as an example as well. Yeah. The, yeah, go ahead. The only thing being, uh, the only thing that God doesn't forgive is uh, yeah. 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 So, like, if outside of that, God would forgive anything yeah. and everything, then... Yeah. <laughs> and then even another way to think about all of this is the default state of a person, belief, non-belief, Blank slate. What do you think? Belief. Yeah, in our tradition, the default state of a person because of fitra is belief. But take it a step further. The default ethos of everything in the environment is that everything in the environment around us is calling us to Allah. This is one scholar. He has this very famous line. He said, I never met an atheist from a village. Right. Part of his argument is that people in a village 
are are much more closer to nature itself. And and so in our modern world, especially our society here, we're conditioned that the default state of existence is agnostic, is agnostic. That the default state of a person is agnostic. The institution is agnostic. But no, imagine the default state of everything is service to a law and agnosticism is being pushed onto it, as opposed to the common notion we have that the default state of everything is agnostic and religion is being put onto it. The default state of everything is that everything we always say is everything is a Muslim. Animals are Muslims. This is Muslim. That's Muslim. The default state of a baby is belief in a law, connection with a law. The default state of all nature is connection with a law. But then they get raised and implemented something upon them that might be different. Any questions, thoughts, reflections on that? Okay, we will stop here. Tomorrow, inshallah, we'll finish ayah 27, which gives us attributes of the people of taqwa. And chances are we'll finish the whole section 20 and 29, because that's also pretty quick. And then, for whatever time we have left, we will wrap up everything. So stay tuned, inshallah, for the exciting conclusion of Ramadan Quran Class A. No other questions, thoughts, reflections? All righty. Well, I, um, I wanted to say something about the ayah, about uh, uh, even just before we were created, right? Uh, Allah SWT gathered us and asked yes. us, Sorry? Yeah, go ahead. That's a good example. Yeah, and he gathers. She's cheering you on. <laughs> Basit is not you said being received. My wife yells at me. My kids yell at me. Everybody yells at me. Anyway, so we had a good class today. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, so even before we were uh, created here in this world, um gathered us all and says, Am I not your Lord? Um, and we all uh, replied, Bella. Yes, but I think uh, the world that we had uh, prior to this, as you can hear all the kids, um, the we had our own personality. We had our own way of doing things and we knew each other. Um, and I think that this is also a testament to being in this world where Allah SWT, I don't, obviously we don't know exactly what happened in the life prior, but there may have been a situation where um, we wanted to be tested or we wanted to prove uh, uh, um, ourselves or whatever the case may be so that in this world we still have those personalities we have our fitrah right we have the understanding that allah is one and allah is there that he is a lot but at the same time that it is a test for us to test us from the world prior to see how we would actually be in this world and see if we would turn to uh, uh, allah and recognize him and part of that is um you know, when it says in the Quran, I don't know that, uh, you know, to some it is a, uh, uh, to some it will guide, to others it will misguide. They themselves are on the brink of like not knowing whether they want to believe or want to obey or not obey. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, not even all, this, all this comes from the, our life prior, right? And um, yes, there is that point that if you want to look at the Quran and you want to find the fault in it, you will find it. If you want to find the guidance in it, you will find it. But I think it might even go a little bit deeper than that, where it goes to show what our um, 
how we were in our previous life. Maybe. That was that was like almost too deep for me. So inshallah. Sabrine. Sorry, I kind of um I had to step away, but what previous life are we talking about here? Basit. What am I talking about? Yeah. Previous life. Oh, the previous life. So um we were uh we will be born twice and we will die twice. So this uh this life, uh, there isn't much uh spoken about the life prior. All we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does say that we get he gathers us all all the arwah um What's together arwah? Uh, all the souls together that have will ever be created from the beginning of time to the end of time and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us one question am I not your Lord? Um and we all responded yeah yes we all recognize that Allah was uh is uh, one and only Allah and uh so the one of the things that um I tell the kids too is that when we are regarded, we have the potential to be higher than that of the angels. It's because of this test here where Allah, where the angels do not have the choice to obey, but we have been given that choice to obey. Um, and again, I think uh, I don't know too much about the previous life. Um, all I know is that we were asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, am I not your Lord? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is testing us based on that um that affirmation that we recognize that he was one maybe thank you any other questions thoughts reflections all righty then we will stop here inshallah and we will wrap things up tomorrow may Allah tell word you all inshallah Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh